you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Today on the podcast, Andrew Cuomo cracking down on lockdowns and freedom versus responsibility. A pastor bizarrely defending Donald Trump's moral character. A pastor bizarrely defending Donald Trump's moral character. Again, an anti-LGBT group pointing out how close they are to eliminating gay marriage again. And Kat Kerr, famous evangelical prophetess, talking about drawing a picture of God's facial features since she's seen him before. Last week, I talked about New York Governor Andrew Cuomo trying to slow the spread of the virus by limiting gatherings again. The Orthodox Jewish community completely lost their shit over it. And, of course, activist mommy came to their defense. What a stupid thing to get upset about. Seriously. As if they can't meet over Zoom during a worldwide pandemic. Why can't they do things the safe way? Why do they insist on dying on this hill? Maybe even literally. Eleanor Roosevelt said something interesting about freedom. She said, quote, Freedom makes a huge requirement of every human being. With freedom comes responsibility. For the person who's unwilling to grow up, the person who does not want to carry his own weight, this is a frightening prospect. End quote. Humanity once enjoyed a perfectly and completely free society. At one point in human history, we did. Until idiots started appearing. Wow, he just killed that guy. We can't have that. Limit everybody's freedoms to prevent that from happening. Everybody is a little less free now because some jerk-off killed a guy. If he hadn't done that, the option would still be on the table. I mean, seriously, think about this. Every law that's on the books, we paid for in blood. Don't want to be forced by the government to drive sober? If you don't like the government shoving its way into your life, then you have to act in a responsible way so there's no reason for the laws to exist. The driving laws are a direct result of irresponsible idiots. You don't want the government regulating where you're allowed to store nuclear waste? Well, one company came in and fucked it up for everybody by storing it next to the employee break room. Now, a bunch of people have radiation poisoning. Don't want the government to force you to wear a mask? Then be safe and responsible and wear a fucking mask when it's in the best interest of you and the people around you. Freedom comes with responsibility. You're free to do anything you want until it affects my life. When you don't show respect for my rights, the government has to come in and force the issue. If you want to live in a more free society, then be more responsible and don't violate other people's rights. A while back, Lance Wallnau, an extreme right-wing pastor, claimed that Satan was using Kamala Harris to quote-unquote take Trump out. He's a complete nutcase. Well, he's back in the news for praying to God that he doesn't allow Trump to get ingloriously beaten on election day, quote-unquote. If you're wondering why I'm talking about this guy, it's because he represents the evangelical voting bloc. Him, Robert Jeffress, Kenneth Copeland, and a bunch of others. If you want to know how the evangelical voting bloc is dealing with somebody who's been through multiple divorces, had an affair with a film star and says the fuck word constantly and even makes fun of evangelicals this is the guy you want to listen to let's listen to a clip from his recent service father in the name of jesus we believe that you're going to have mercy on america that you the goat nations indeed will be there but sheep nations are rising this is the hour when sheep nations are rising i believe mike pompeo has unfinished business with the nation I believe Donald Trump has unfinished business in the nations. And I believe you will not let someone who has stood with Israel and stood with Christians, you will not let them be ingloriously beaten and embarrassed by your enemies because your name is part of this, Lord. What will the heathens say? 
What will the radicals say? What will the communists say when someone who stands with you so conspicuously is that does not have a friend in high places watching over them? But I believe you are going to watch over this president. He's basically integrated politics seamlessly into his sermons. This is what a fascist country looks like, in case you were wondering. This is what it looks like. Religion and politics are inextricably linked. An anti-LGBT group had some interesting things to say the other day. The group is called the National Organization for Marriage. Let's see what they said. Quote, when the U.S. Supreme Court illegitimately redefined marriage in 2015 with their anti-constitutional ruling on the Obergefell case, NOM vowed to work every day to overturn that decision. People said we were crazy to think that was possible. We were mocked and ridiculed by LGBT activists for even suggesting that the Supreme Court would ever reverse their ruling imposing gay marriage. Regardless, Nam pressed on, and now the supposedly unthinkable is clearly within sight. They don't think we're crazy any longer. End quote. If you weren't concerned about politics before, then you should be now. We might have society on our side, but it doesn't really matter. Right-wing extremists have the government on their side. The Amy Coney Barrett nomination could seriously end gay marriage. If you're a member of the LGBT community, then I would recommend you get married now before it's too late. Oh, and fucking vote, please, for the love of everything good, just do it. Cat Kerr famed Christian prophetess, in her words, was on the YouTube channel Elijah Streams the other day. 31,000 subscribers. The video has 112,000 views when this was recorded. So she isn't small. She isn't unknown. Well, she had some wacky things to say. Is that the right word? Here's what she said. Quote, I could draw God because of my photographic memory, but I think one of the greatest experiences I've ever had was when Jesus introduced me to his father, and Jesus himself gave me a commission to reveal the father himself. What he's like, the things he says, what his heart is on things, he definitely has white hair, but it's got life in it. It's like it moves, and I'll never forget that I touched it one time when I was there. It's like life jumped into my entire being. His eyes are like, you can barely see his eyes because of the glory coming out. End quote. Well then, this lady is obviously a complete nutbag, but like I said before, she's famous. She isn't a bit player in this. She represents the evangelical movement too. If you want to get an idea of how they think, look to people like this. Remember all those character flaws I mentioned about Trump earlier? I mean, I don't necessarily see them as character flaws. I don't care one way or another. Not really the choices I'd personally make. Getting divorced 15 times, sleeping with film stars, saying the fuck word constantly. That stuff is supposed to matter to Christians. They present themselves as moral authorities. Even though they've been dragged into the new age, kicking and screaming on basically every major social issue, like slavery. Well, Pastor Shane Eidelman feels that all those charges against Trump are invalid. Let's see what he said about it. Quote, the upcoming election is causing increased division among Christians. It leaves many people confused when some Christians denounce Trump and elevate Biden. Their reasoning goes something like this. How can you vote for Trump based on his character? But the real question we should be asking is, what direction is the country heading, spiritually speaking? Obviously, character is important, but if a man has decent character according to some, yet he believes in infanticide and euthanizing the disabled, do we look at his character over his policies? Of course not. I don't want to hear about someone's character when they think it's okay to kill a child, even at nine months, and they reject the born alive bill. I'm not concerned with nice tweets when they promote real hate, support sexual perversion, 
version and want to burn down our cities, and on and on it goes. End quote. Well, first of all, I have to say, all of that is a complete mischaracterization of what the Democrat Party fights for. I have never heard those suggestions from Democrat leadership. And second, having Trump in office normalizes all that bad behavior they claim to hate so much. So I'm not sure what they're expecting, but I'll tell you what'll happen. Trump is going to continue to act like a moral monster, at least in their eyes, and it's going to move the moral Overton window further and further away from the values they claim to hold dear. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Why? Because they're cult members. Before we get into all of that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen. My name's Joseph, and I am a subscriber on your YouTube channel, and I have a question for you. I am an ex-Mormon, and I was wondering if Jehovah's Witnesses are similar to the Mormon religion. Like, I heard different theories about it. Like, yes, they are the same. One doesn't celebrate holidays or anything like that. And if you can answer that question, I'd be very grateful. You have a good day, all right? Bye-bye. Appreciate that. Very interesting question. Actually, I love talking about the history of religion. So the Mormon church started in the 1820s, I believe. That's when Joseph Smith supposedly found these, these gold plates. He was led to them by an angel, Moroni. He led him to these gold plates, supposedly, and there were these two rocks inside of this enclosure that held the gold plates and he'd put the rocks up to his eyes supposedly this is how it was described and he would look at the gold plates and he'd be able to read this foreign language that he didn't know by looking at the plates through these rocks that's how it started out um as time went on 1820s 1830s he was dictating the Book of Mormon to people. And the story of how he read the gold plates or how he dictated the book changes uh, from time to time. It started out as that, with the rocks and you look at the plates. And then it changed to he would throw the rock in a hat and put the hat up to his face and the rock was telling him, like showing him what he wanted this guy to write down for the Book of Mormon. And then it moved to, he didn't need the gold plates at all. He was just sitting on the other side of a table and telling the guy what they said, or some other nonsense. Gets really, really weird. So as time went on through the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, Joseph Smith was building up Mormonism and... At the same time, in the 1830s and 40s, oh, hey, Kitty. Kitty wants to come chill with us while I do the podcast. Okay, come on, sit down. At the same time, the Millerite movement was rising up, and the Millerite movement that they had, they believed that they had this Bible math that calculated that the end was going to come in 1843, I believe. They waited, and nothing happened. And then they recalculated, and they said, look, there's no year zero. So it was not, our math was right. We just forgot that it just went from one 
BCE to 1 CE and skipped the year zero. So it was actually 1844 is when this big thing was supposed to happen, not 1843. And guess what? Once again, nothing happened. People sold their stuff and donated it to the church and got ready for the rapture, and nothing happened. That was the Millerite movement. So the Millerite movement and the Mormon Mormonism movement were completely separate from each other. After the Great Disappointment in 1844 when the Millerite movement like, made that failed prediction, the Millerite church fell apart and splintered off into a few different groups, a few different factions. The first group believed that the prediction was, the Bible math behind the prediction was sound, and something really did happen. Jesus just came back invisibly. We couldn't see him. The second faction believed that the Bible math was correct, but they had the date wrong. So they, they had like, some of their variables were incorrect in the math, and they just needed to recalculate, and they would get a date for the end. And the third faction believed the Bible math was nonsense, just complete nonsense, right? So two completely separate groups, two separate religious groups growing at the same time. Eventually, Jehovah's Witnesses leader and founder, Charles Taze Russell, was going to a Millerite church, one of the factions that split off. He was going to a church from the faction that believed the Bible math was sound, but they had the wrong starting date, basically. And interestingly enough, this is apocryphal, but Charles Taze Russell, the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses and the founder of Seventh-day Adventists, Ellen G. White, knew each other and went to the same Millerite church for a short time. Those two groups are very closely linked with each other. All of this was happening around the 1860s, 1870s, when they were going to the Millerite church, And in the 1870s, Charles Taze Russell was trying to build his own church, his own brand, Jehovah's Witnesses. It was actually the Bible students at the time is what it was called. So Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses have always been separate entities from each other. Um, But they're very similar in a lot of ways. Interestingly enough, they don't come from the same tree like... Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists do. They both came up from the Millerite movement. Mormonism did not. So I do find the commonalities between them fascinating, considering the fact that they were completely separate, even though they did start roughly around the same time period. Hi, this is Jen calling from Georgia. Um, I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you. Um, As somebody who left the Mormon Church only about two months ago, you have really helped to validate my feelings and helped me to feel a little bit more sane uh, dealing with all of this. Uh, I'm kind of curious as to why your your opinion on why so many people who leave high-control faiths like Mormonism or your, your, your former faith choose to become or maybe choose the right word, but end up becoming atheist. Um, why do you feel like that is the end result of them leaving the faith behind? Again, thank you, and I appreciate all of your efforts on the behalf of those of us who have been trapped for so long. This is largely speculation because I don't have, we don't really have any research papers or data points to 
prove anything exactly, but my suspicion about what you're saying is, let me tell you my experience with it. When I was a Jehovah's Witness, one of the things that they really harped on, like one part of the doctrine that they really wanted to drill home for people was the fact in their eyes that every religion out there is false. They have false information, except Jehovah's Witnesses. They are the only ones with the truth. They even call it the truth. I talk to my mom like once every two or three years or something, and any time I talk to her, she always tells me to come back to the truth. That's what they call it. They call it the truth. When you're in a high-control group like that, they try to drill it into your brain that they're correct no matter what, and they're going to put you through a lot, but you have to hold on and believe it or some bad thing is going to happen to you. You'll lose your family members if you're a Jehovah's Witness and you stop believing it. You'll go to hell in some cases for certain religions, things like that. You'll lose everything. So questioning whether or not it's true is basically questioning whether or not God is real. They conflate the two. They have the truth if it exists. That's the way they want to portray it. In my experience, I think the reason people commonly leave religion behind completely when they leave a high-control group is because they've been convinced by the group that every other group out there is evil and wrong, and being a part of it is evil and wrong. You can be disfellowshipped, have everything you ever knew and loved taken from you just for going to a worldly, quote-unquote, church service, just for going to a worldly funeral. Your grandmother dies, she wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, you attend the funeral, you risk being disfellowshipped. Seriously. They take that shit very seriously. So in my experience, that's why. However, that being said, I have also seen Jehovah's Witnesses leave the religion behind and not manage to escape the mindset. They carry the mindset out with them. So when they leave religion behind, they jump to another extremist group like Mormonism or Catholicism or Baptist, Southern Baptist, something like that. Because it feels right. It feels right to be in this mindset. I've seen a lot of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses become the biggest Trump supporters. I definitely believe that Donald Trump is a cult leader. Stephen Hassan, the guy who wrote the Bite Model, believes Trump is a cult leader too, and he wrote a whole book about it. And if you're curious about why exactly, he details it completely. He, he writes out the whole thing in this book that he wrote, The Cult of Trump. So it's, a, it's an interesting read. He talks about propaganda and how it's used and things like that too. It could be useful if you wanted to read it. Um, but the point is, I've seen people turn atheists who leave Jehovah's Witnesses, and I've seen people turn into another form of extremist Christian after leaving Jehovah's Witnesses too. I think it's a little bit up in the air. My guess, my speculation though, is that a lot of them probably leave religion behind completely because they're trained to believe that Jehovah's Witnesses have the truth and nobody else does.
Um, hi, my name is Carson. I'm in California, um, and I'm LGBTQ+, and unfortunately go to an evangelical school that has a very toxic environment, and my conservative parents won't let me transfer. So I was just wondering if you might have any advice. Also, um, if you're interested, you should check out the hashtag Exposed Valley Twitter thread because a lot of the students at my school are coming forward with their stories. All right, well, have a good day. Bye. You know what? I remember you. I think you've called in before, Carson. You're trans, right? I'm pretty sure that you're a trans caller. I feel like I've... If I haven't answered one of your voicemails on air before, then I, at the very least, listen to it, and I remember you calling in about it. I remember your story, so anyway, thank you for calling in. I appreciate that. I figured what we'd do is take a look at the Exposed Valley hashtag out of curiosity. So this is my Twitter account, if you were wondering. Want to hear something funny? Expose Valley. Let's read it. All students regularly attend chapel, study the Bible weekly, and learn to explain the Christian faith to others. Students study the Bible as an academic course while enrolled at VCS. Encouraging students' choices about matters of faith helps ensure that VCS is a safe place to express their beliefs and doubts about God and other issues. Oh, interesting. Okay. Students are encouraged to internalize their Christian faith through personal choice and not through indoctrination that inculcates religious instruction. I'm immediately skeptical of the claims made there. Anonymous, I'm not a student at Valley, but another Valley student confirmed that science teachers teach creationism and deny evolution. That doesn't surprise me. A lot of, oh, there goes the kitty. That doesn't surprise me at all. A lot of very extreme or religious schools in general tend to deny evolution and endorse creationism. It's almost like a default. If you're extreme enough to start a religious school, then you're not going to follow the science. That's usually how it goes. Kiki, I was called twice into the office about me being lesbian. Once after I asked my current girlfriend to dance with a sign, like all the other straight couples, and another after I was vulnerable about my trauma during a confidential testimony. They told me to be quiet. Expose Valley. It's fucked up, man. Olivia Kenya. I was gaslighted my entire high school experience to think that racism wasn't constantly perpetuated at VCS. To all my fellow alums who've experienced any form of racism at the school, please see below. Please get Expose Valley trending. I beg. I hate that school so much. Emma, before the WALK program was called that, it was literally named STACK, which stood for Save the African Kids. If that doesn't help you understand the racism embedded into VCS, I don't know what will. Cool, cool, cool. Religion-based schools should be banned. I don't think people should get their primary education from religious-based schools. If they want to have a religious club that they go to after school, fine. I think everybody should have an education that follows a very strict curriculum. And unfortunately, in the United States, that's not guaranteed. Especially with homeschooling programs, it varies from state to state usually, but homeschooling and private schools can teach basically whatever they want to teach. They don't have to follow a curriculum of any sort in most cases, in some cases. In West Virginia, in my state, I didn't have to learn anything when I was homeschooling practically. I had to take a test showing that I was capable of doing basic math. 
and answer basic history and science questions, and then they just push me on to the next grade. It's really fucking sad. Really sad. Needy. Haha, reliving old school trauma of how I was forced to hide in the closet out of fear of expulsion. Someone tell me how that's legal, because I don't understand. I don't understand either. Sarah, finally, this is being talked about. Growing up gay and Latina, attending Valley was traumatic as hell. Elizabeth, a sixth grader on the swim team, got harassed by an eighth grader every practice. When they told the office, nothing was done about it. It sounds absolutely fucking disgusting to me, and it's a shame that it's allowed to continue, and there isn't harder pushback against it. I hope it gets the exposure that it deserves, and good luck, Carson. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate that. Again, and, uh, and I hope things start to improve at your school. The biggest of Chungai. A lot of Christian groups involved in politics try to push society back about 20 years in terms of attitude. Now they want society back to the point it was in the 80s. Before that, it was the 50s, etc. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that. A lot of people are like, Trump wants to make America great again. When was America great? At what point in this country's history was it great? Because he actually stole that slogan from Ronald Reagan. His slogan was, let's make America great, originally. Ronald Reagan's was. That was in the 80s. When was America great? Before Ronald Reagan was four years of Jimmy Carter, I believe, and before that was Gerald Ford and Richard Nixon for one term, pretty much, right? Before Nixon was... Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson and JFK. Before Nixon, there was no civil rights bill. There was no, Black people were still drinking from colored fountains and using the colored bathroom. So we had, I believe, four years of Nixon, basically, you know, with Gerald Ford in there. Four years of Jimmy Carter. And then Ronald Reagan wants to return the country back to when it was great. When was it great in Ronald, in Ronald Reagan's eyes? It was great before the civil rights era. That's when it was great in Reagan's eyes. Ronald Reagan wanted to return things to a time when black people were drinking from colored fountains. You can see it in his policies and his rhetoric and the things that he endorsed, the people that he endorsed. And now Donald Trump wants to return America back to when it was great. When was it great? Because the guy you stole the slogan from says it was great pre-civil rights. Is that what we're talking about? Do we want to go back to the 50s? Is that what we're working with right now? There is no point in time, no point in America's history when the lawmakers we're not doing something that makes me ashamed to be in this country, embarrassed to be in this country. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, how many members of Congress were white supremacists? How many? Even in the 2000s, 2010s, and now, how many? How many are white supremacists? 
too fucking many. No respect or empathy for anybody that doesn't look exactly like them. It's fucking disgusting. In as far as I'm concerned, until everybody is viewed and treated as equals in a country, that country can never be great. So once we deal with the disgusting fucking racism problem that we have in this country, then we can talk about America being great. We'll talk about it. I'll give it another look at that point. Nightwings of an angel. Your religion should define what you do, not what others outside your religion do. Simple as that. Just be a good human being. Interesting point on that note. I was watching a debate between Joe Biden and Paul Ryan from, like, I think 2016. No, no. It was Paul Ryan, so it must have been... It was Obama's first term, so I think it must have been 2008. Yeah. I think it was a a debate between Biden and Paul Ryan... The VP debate from 2008. And Paul Ryan was talking about why he's pro-life and not pro-choice. He said, well, my faith, I'm a Catholic, says Paul Ryan. He said he's a Catholic. He said, in my faith, I believe that life starts at conception, blah, blah, blah. And Biden said, I agree. I am Catholic, too. And I follow my church's beliefs on that. Life begins at conception. But I can't force my beliefs on the Jewish people and the Muslims and every other religious group in this country. Just because I believe something doesn't mean I have the right to force my beliefs on them. I thought it was a really interesting... I mean, that's how I've always felt philosophically. That's how it should be. You shouldn't force your religious beliefs on people. What the fuck? Uh, But I found it fascinating that Joe Biden was espousing those views. I honestly did not expect it from him. He's actually a lot more progressive than I thought he was for a long time. I wouldn't have picked Biden if 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 it were up to me. I would have put I would have picked Bernie Sanders. But we've got Biden, and I'm honestly not that broken up about it. It could be worse than Biden. For one thing, Biden has a drug addict for a son. That is actually important to me. It means Biden understands the issues that I have personally experienced in my life. And not only that, but Biden came out and said he was proud of his son and he loved him during the debate, despite problems with drugs. That tells me Biden really does understand this issue and really cares about people who have been through drug addiction. That was really important to me, and that that was the moment at which I thought to myself, it would take an awful lot to make me not vote for Biden. Just that one issue alone would have had me voting for him even if it wasn't Trump running against him. Tyler Cross, libertarian socialism is my ideology. I don't take it as extreme as anarchist, but I like most of its ideas. I'm a secular humanist as well. I like the libertarian philosophy as far as social issues go, but as far as an economic system goes, I I think 
heavily regulated market capitalism seems to have gotten society pretty far so far. I'm not opposed to hearing other ideas, not opposed to hearing economic ideas revolving around libertarianism or communism or socialism or anything. Always interested in hearing ideas. Not going to shut anybody down point blank. I'm always willing to listen and, f and hear people out and figure things out. But so far, as far as I can tell, social democracy with market capitalism seems to be a pretty straight shot. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about an anti-LGBT group pointing out how close they are to eliminating gay marriage again. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the first article I wanted to take a look at is entitled Anti-LGBTQ Group, Overturning Marriage Equality is Now Clearly Within Sight, quote-unquote. This is by Beth Stoneburner on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give the article a read and see what it has to say. If Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed to the Supreme Court, it's beyond apparent at this point that long-standing precedents will be overturned, at least in practice, if not in law. Abortion rights will be severely curtailed, voter suppression will continue, and religious freedom will always win out over LGBTQ rights. Even marriage equality is on the chopping block. And even if Barrett won't say that out loud, one anti-equality organization feels very optimistic about the future. The National Organization for Marriage sent a message to supporters urging them to support Barrett's confirmation because it would lead to the overturning of same-sex marriage. I guess the acronym or abbreviation for this organization is NOM, which is so sad because I love that term, NOM. Anyways, NOM, uh, National Organization for Marriage, had this to say, quote, when the U.S. Supreme Court illegitimately redefined marriage in 2015 with their anti-constitutional ruling in the Obergefell case, NOM, which is National Organization for Marriage, vowed to work every day to overturn that decision. People said we were crazy to think it was possible. We were mocked and ridiculed by LGBT activists for even suggesting that the Supreme Court would ever reverse their ruling imposing gay marriage. Regardless, Nam pressed on, and now the supposedly unthinkable is clearly within sight. They don't think we're crazy any longer. Okay, L let me point something out here. I seriously doubt any LGBT activists, maybe a couple of fringe cases, felt that it was ridiculous to think that this could be overturned. The moment gay marriage was legalized, tons of LGBT couples went and got married immediately because they knew that this was a sensitive social issue that was on a high precipice and could be taken away any second. They wanted to be married before it was undone. Nobody thought that it would be impossible to undo it. I'm guessing the LGBT activists to which they're referring probably felt that this group was crazy by their words, quote-unquote. 
because it's insane to think that it's wrong for two consenting adults to get married if they want to. What is so wrong with this? They talk about government regulation, government overreach, and all of this libertarian ideal stuff Republicans do and conservatives up until the moment they want to control your life. Then they drop all of those ideals. Forget they even mentioned them. Grover Norquist famously said he wanted government so small that you could drown it in a bathtub. All that goes out the window the moment they want to control a part of your life. All that goes out the window the moment they want to prevent you from marrying the person that you love. It's the deepest hypocrisy. And it doesn't come as a surprise to me, as I'm sure it doesn't come as a surprise to a lot of listeners. They are small government until the moment they're not anymore. Anyway, let's continue reading the article. The note from National Organization for Marriage, the last line said, they don't think we're crazy any longer. This is Beth Stoneburner speaking now. That last line is up for debate. Even if you believe that same-sex marriages are sinful, it's not hard to understand how disastrous it would be to families, kids nationwide, if those marriages were severed by the government. Overturning marriage equality could mean that adoptive gay parents lose custody of children they may have raised since birth. It could prevent people from visiting their loved ones in a hospital, a problem that was very much real before the Obergefell ruling. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. None of that matters to them. The lawmakers, the Republican lawmakers that want Obergefell overturned so that gay marriage is illegal again, they don't fucking care. They, they are more than happy to make that sacrifice. They're more than happy to sacrifice children's mental health, mental well-being, and the, the physical well-being of... How many people across the country? Between 2 and 10%. They don't fucking care. They're more than willing to sacrifice it to get what they want. Regulation into your life. Back to Beth Stoneburner. Overturning marriage equality could mean same-sex partners losing health care coverage through their partner's insurance, which could be even more devastating if one partner is dependent on the other for coverage of insulin, chemotherapy, or COVID care. It could mean their partner is no longer able to make medical decisions on their behalf if they're incapacitated. It could mean not inheriting social security benefits. You'd think the people who routinely claim to support family values, quote unquote, would be less eager to break those families apart. Yet here they are boasting about the possibility. SCOTUS has the responsibility to make decisions that benefit Americans. That's about to end. Here's my take on it. Um, Marriage has a lot of value in the United States. You get a lot of benefits by being married to somebody. You get the healthcare benefit. You know, there's a, there are a lot of protections in place. You can make decisions for your spouse. You get social security benefits, so on and so forth. A ton of benefits to being married. But as far as I'm concerned, marriage is just a a legal contract more than anything else. I don't need to tell the government that I love somebody to make that official. I can control my love life just fine without the government being involved. When I was 
18 years old, I actually got married to somebody as a kid because I didn't want to be living in sin anymore. I felt like I was living in sin by being with somebody and not being married to them. So I married them so that I could have a chance of becoming a Jehovah's Witness again after I'd already gotten disfellowshipped. Biggest mistake of my life. It was a stupid fucking mistake to get married like that. It's such a young age. Lucky for me, my spouse and myself have come to an understanding that we don't hate each other. We were just stupid kids making stupid decisions at the time. And we can come together and work together now. We don't hate each other and we can work together. So lucky for me, I got some, I married somebody who wasn't completely insane. Uh, so now I take care of Kylie. She lives with me and there's no fighting or, or drama or anything over anything at all. But if she wanted to cause drama, she could ruin my fucking life. She has the capability. She has the knife in her hand. Getting married to somebody is like handing a knife to the other person and handing a knife to the government and then turning around and facing the other direction. That's what marriage is, basically. Now, I would get married again. I would do it again because there are a lot of benefits to it, obviously, as we've talked about in this article. But um, make sure it's the right person because it can end really badly if it's not. Zolfner, I'm bi. I'm not worried about being able to marry a man. A government that can give you everything can take it away. Give the power to the states. Uh, so you, it's interesting that you say it, that you phrase it that way. Um, the Constitution should be viewed as a permission slip. What is the government allowed to do? You have unlimited rights. The government has no rights in, this, in the ideal world, right? That's the, that's the setup that we have right now. Government has no rights. You have unlimited. Every law that exists on the books was paid for in blood. It's there because somebody had to learn the hard way that you shouldn't do that or you should do this. For example, not driving sober. Trying to phrase this in a, an ad-friendly way. Not driving sober. That wouldn't have to be a law on the books if it hadn't been a problem. So the government has to limit our rights. They have to prevent that from happening for public safety reasons. What you said here, a government that can give you everything can take it away. I don't expect the government to give me gay marriage. I expect that right inherently. The government should have no place to dictate to me who I'm allowed to marry. That is government overreach pushing down their boot on my neck. The states shouldn't have any say in this either. Why, why does the state or the federal government have any say in who I marry? They shouldn't be involved in my love life at all. If I want to marry another man 
I should be able to do that. Of course, I'm not gay, but still. There should be no conflict here. They shouldn't have... They, I'm not putting that in their permission slip. What are they allowed to regulate? That's not in the list. That's not okay with me. As I was saying, the Constitution is a permission slip. What is the government allowed to do and not allowed to do? They violated that permission slip and taken more rights than they were allowed to. A lot more. Zolfner, I agree. I don't need a government to approve my love, but it, if it comes down to it, get a power of attorney. It's a lot more complicated than that. Um, marriage controls a lot more than just power of attorney type of situation. There's a lot more involved in the benefits that come with being in a marriage. You're basically a family member now. Also, social security benefits, uh, healthcare benefits, so on and so forth. There's just a lot to it. And the dynamic between you, the other person, and the children that you have is different if you're married. So it's complicated. Let's take another glance at Super Chats real fast. Um, fun guy to man media. What are your thoughts on Ayn Rand? Generally speaking, Ayn Rand stands for libertarian philosophy. And I think that Ayn Rand had some interesting ideas in theory, but in practice, it doesn't really play out the way that you'd think it does. And we have examples in the world of libertarian ideals being implemented on a countrywide scale. Smaller countries, but they're out there. And we can see the flaws in the system. Inevitably, any pure system is probably going to fail. A pure capitalist system is pretty much guaranteed to fail. A pure communist system is pretty much guaranteed to fail. Same with a pure libertarian system. The reason we know that, for example, a capitalist system, a pure capitalist system would fail is because after the Soviet Union fell, Russia was basically completely unregulated capitalist market. We can look at them as an example of pure, unfettered market capitalism. And it, it's bad. It ends badly. We can see what the flaws are. We need a system to counter those flaws. There are a lot of really cool and interesting economic philosophies and ideas out there. Communism is actually really interesting to think about and study. Capitalism has its merits. It's very interesting. Libertarianism is very interesting. But none of them are perfect, and you pretty much inevitably need a mix of all of them to have a functioning system. That's why I want a capitalist system with socialist policies, socialist programs, like Social Security, for example. I would call myself a social democrat. I like the system that the Scandinavian countries have set up, some of them. A democracy with social programs in place. And regulation. Regulation is so important. Mystery Artist 101, thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate that. Zolfner, teachers should be able to invite prayer. Disagree. Prayer shouldn't be in public schools at all, period. Unless the students want to pray privately to themselves. I'm okay with whatever the students want to do. But the, the teachers are acting as an arm of the state in that capacity. As a teacher, they are the U.S. government. 
effectively in that moment. And the U.S. government has no place to lead anybody in prayer. All right, I'll tell you what, that's where I'm going to end it for the night. appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.